Hey there, friends. You are deeply missed. I hope it's okay to say that. You are deeply, deeply missed. The church is supposed to be a group of people that sees each other regularly. We gather on the weekends for worship, but then we're in one another's homes during the week. We're sharing meals. We're sharing memories. We're going into the scriptures together as an embodied people. And to be separated, to be in quarantine, to not be able to gather is such a strange and unique thing. I know that each of us are adjusting to these new expectations in our own way. If you are home uh, with kids, you're adjusting to the routines that are in front of you. If you've got older kids, you're learning to be a homeschool parent. If you're used to being out and about and busy and being home is hard, maybe you're bored. And maybe you're trying to figure out how to connect with friends and family. Um, It's not an easy moment for anybody to adjust to. I recognize that amidst all of the uh, attention that has been given to the coronavirus, that we may have allowed the very important holidays of Good Friday and Easter to slide to the background. We're about 10 days away from celebrating uh, Good Friday and then Easter, these extremely momentous holidays in the Christian calendar. And so what I wanted to do over the next couple of days as we bump into Holy Week with Palm Sunday, this Sunday, and then Holy Week, which leads us to Good Friday and then Easter, I wanted to spend some time in the scriptures uh, preparing us with a short devotional. It's really easy to not be ready. It's really easy to let Good Friday and Easter just come and go. But because of the season that we're in, because we're in a corporate season of grieving, We're in a national season of mourning. Good Friday may mean more than it's ever meant meant to any of us. And the reality of Easter, this promise of renewal, uh, it it could be such a momentous thing, but I don't want to let it slide by. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into just a couple of scripture texts. We'll pray together and push your heart in those directions over the next couple of days. So I'm going to read from Psalm 130. If you want to press pause, flip open a Bible and read with me, I'm going to read it. It's only eight verses long. Psalm 130 will be our first reflection as we prepare for Good Friday and Easter. If you have a Bible, the title of this psalm right up front says, My soul waits for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. Verse 1. The writer, the psalmist says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. What a timely psalm. My soul waits for the Lord. That in particular comes up in verse 6 where the writer says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. In the ancient Near East, there would have been watchmen who stood on the towers of the city. They would have been positioned on the walls of the city. They were the guards. 
Certainly nighttime was a time of fear for people in the ancient Near East. It may be a time of fear for us. If you've ever been sick, if you've ever had a nightmare, if you've ever woken up unable to go back to sleep, the night can feel like an eternity, can it? You're just longing for dawn to come. And these individuals who were standing on the walls, these guards of the city, they would have realized that under the guise of night, there was so much more potential for an enemy to come and creep in and to put the city in jeopardy, to put the city at risk. And so the watchmen would stay awake at night waiting for morning to come because with the light of the day, there would have been safety, there would have been security, there would have been visibility. They could see what was approaching. And so they are longing for morning to come. And this writer understands the the role that a guard would have for a city. He says, more than that, more than a watchman who stays awake at night, protecting his family, protecting his friends and his neighborhood and his city, more than that, my soul waits for the Lord. We're in a moment where our soul is hungry. We're in a moment of recognizing our old routines may have been life-draining rather than life-giving. And maybe we're not even sure how to make adjustments and changes. I've been reading a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And one of the phrases that stood out to me was he says, we are in a moment where we need to allow our souls to catch back up to our bodies. I think that's what Psalm 130 is pointing us toward. Here's an individual who says in verse 1, Oh Lord, I'm in the depths. Man, I'm in the pit. Without your help, without your mercy, I'll never get out of it. I've been running fast. I've been running furious. And he says, I got to allow my soul to catch back up to my body. My soul has to wait for the Lord. I love the honesty of the psalm. This writer's not writing from an easy place. He's writing from a very difficult, dark place, what he describes as the depths. And he says, oh, Lord, even in the depths, even in the pit, I know that you hear me. And I also recognize that my voice has no right to come before you outside of your mercy. What he's really saying is I recognize that I'm a broken man, that I have a broken heart, that my affections are off. In verse 3, he talks about, oh, Lord, if you marked iniquities, I'd never be able to stand in front of you. I'd never be able to bank on your mercy if it weren't for the fact that you were a forgiving God. And so he knows that he's in the depths. He knows that he's in the pit. He knows that he needs help. And then he recognizes that apart from the mercy of God, he'd never be able to reach out, pray, cry out to this God. But he says, my soul waits for the mercy that you bring. His soul is waiting. What would it look like for you to build in a moment in your day for you to allow your soul to catch back up to your body? What would it look like for you to allow your soul to wait on the Lord? For you to cry out of the depths, out of the question, out of the hurt, out of the worry, and then to recognize that there is a God who promises steadfast love and plentiful redemption And he is a God who will redeem Israel, who will redeem me, and who will redeem you from all of our iniquities, all of our sins, all of our worries, all of our misplaced loves. Here is a God who promises to heal, forgive, and renew. I would love for you, as we get towards Good Friday and Easter, 
to carve a little bit of soul time out for yourself. Sit in Psalm 130. Read it slowly. Let Jesus meet with you. Let him restore your soul. You may feel like that watchman on the tower just waiting for change, waiting for dawn. And it's coming. That's what Good Friday says. It is coming. Despite the grief, despite the question, despite the fear and the tears, maybe amidst it all, we serve a God who is good, who is faithful, who is with us, who says, I'll allow you to have a voice. I'll allow you to approach me. I'll allow you to stand in my presence because of mercy, because of plentiful redemption, right? because of forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is about. Spend a moment this week with Jesus and let him prepare you for the days that are coming. Love you, friends. Deeply missed. We'll chat soon.